Well, good morning, everyone. I wonder how many of you would apply for this job. It might uh, sound familiar to uh, all of you mums out there. Let me give you the job description. Position, mother, mum, mummy, mama, ma. Job description, long term, team players needed for challenging permanent work in an often chaotic environment. Candidates must possess excellent communication and organisational skills and be willing to work variable hours, which will include evenings and weekends and frequent 24-hour shifts on call. Some overnight travel required. Can you get that up? There we go. Great. <laughs> Including trips to primitive camping sites on rainy weekends and endless sports tournaments in faraway cities. Travel expenses not reimbursed. Extensive courier duties also required. Responsibilities, the rest of your life. Must be willing to be hated, at least temporarily, until someone needs $5. Must be willing to bite tongue repeatedly. Also must possess the physical stamina of a pack mule and be able to go from zero to 100 kilometres per hour in three seconds flat in case this time the screams from the backyard are not someone just crying wolf. Must be willing to face stimulating technical challenges such as small gadget repair, mysteriously sluggish toilets and stuck zips. Must screen phone calls, maintain calendars, coordinate production of multiple homework projects. Must have ability to plan and organise social gatherings for clients of all ages and mental outlooks. And must be willing to be indispensable one minute and embarrassment the next. <laughs> must handle assembly and product safety testing of half a million cheap plastic toys and battery operated devices. Must always hope for the best but, but be prepared for the worst. Must assume final complete accountability for the quality of the end product. Responsibilities also include floor maintenance and janitorial work throughout the facility. Possibility for advancement and promotion? Virtually none. Your job is to remain in the same position for years without complaining, constantly retraining and updating your skills so that those in your charge can ultimately surpass you. Previous experience? None required, unfortunately. On-the-job training offered on a continually exhausting basis. Wages and compensation? Uh, compensation. Get this, you pay them. Offering frequent raises and bonuses, a lump sum payment is due when they turn 18 because of the assumption that uni will help them become financially independent. When you die, you give them whatever is left. <laughs> the oddest thing about this reverse salary scheme is that you actually enjoy it and wish you could only do more. Benefits, while well, no health or dental insurance, no pension, no tuition reimbursement, no paid holidays and no stock options are offered, this job supplies limitless opportunities for personal growth and free hugs for life if you play your cards right. <laughs> you know, I read somewhere that a, a group called Salary.com did some research a few years ago into lots of other jobs that are comparable with what mums do in one day. And they actually came up scientifically with a mum's annual salary. Are you interested to know what that was? <laughs> what do you think? I wonder what you might suggest. Based on their research, scientific, remember, the annual salary for a mum ought to be $158,000 a year. That's Australian dollars. I've done the conversion. <laughs> you know, that's probably still a little low, they think. Um, it came up as 54,000 base salary and 104,000 overtime. 
Night shift work, isn't it? Um, you know, I remember a particular night shift that I was on. Jonathan had a deacon's meeting in uh, our home and they were in the, the dining room, just the other side of the sliding door that separated the kitchen from the dining room. And, uh, and we just happened to have a sleepwalker in our family. We still do. And uh, on this particular night, we had a fair bit of activity. Um, it was quite late. I'd finished the whole nighttime bed, bedtime routine thing and uh, cleaned up the kitchen, doing the dishes and was just starting to get on to whatever else could only be done at that time of the night when this sleepwalker in our family made her appearance. Now, if you have had anything to do with sleepwalkers at all, then you would know that it can be a bit scary at times. Um, there's this glazed, distant look in the eyes, um, often lots of unintelligible gobbledygook coming out of their mouths. Um, and in our case, there's always this great distress and anxiety about something that's either just happened or something that's about to happen. Um, anyway, I don't know what I was caught up doing on this particular night, but obviously I wasn't paying enough attention to what was uh, going on around me because as I glanced up, this sleepwalker of ours was backed up against the kitchen drawers, pulling down her pyjama bottoms. <laughs> and before I could do anything about it, there was diarrhoea all over, inside and out, of every one of those kitchen drawers. She thought it was the toilet. Um, now, I mean, I have done the vomit thing many a time, as m every one of you mums and probably dads has already done. But you know what? This was just beyond, beyond anything I had ever experienced. <laughs> this horrified me. And you know what? Just when I needed someone uh, to come and help me out, you know, the one who had promised to have and to hold, <laughs> to love and to cherish, in diarrhoea and in health, until death do us part, you know where he was? In a deacon's meeting on the other side of the sliding door. <laughs> um, I'm sure he would have come to help if I'd asked for it. I actually didn't ask for it and let them know what was going on. What a night of night shift that was. Um, do you know how long it took to clean up all of that? Every item of cutlery, every utensil. You don't want to know. Um, you know what uh, Parenting Magazine quoted in an issue a few years ago? Um, it said that 52% of dads fake being asleep while their babies are crying in the middle of the night. 52%, okay? Let's have some confession time, dads. How many of you dads have ever pretended, even just once or twice, to be asleep? Come on, this would be a good Mother's Day present, wouldn't it? Come on, confess right up now. I can see a few hands. <laughs> and do you know what else? Another 22% said that they wait until the mum is already up and then they get up like, acting as if they don't know that she is already up, trying to do something about their guilty consciences, I think, dads, hey? You know, I've got a little confession to make myself. Um, I've actually faked being asleep <laughs> occasionally. And then as Jonathan was leaving the room, um, I'd say a few words very groggily as if I would have gotten up if, to whoever was crying, as I usually do. Um, but on that occasion, I just must ha happen to have been sleeping a little bit more heavily than him. And then I'd get the credit for uh, wanting to help as well as the luxury of staying in bed. Um, I'm not sure I should be confessing those kind of things on Mother's Day. <laughs> just forget that you heard all that. But, you know, I'm, I'm past all the whole getting up in the middle of the night stage and to uh, uh, feeding or settling a crying baby. And I think I've forgotten 
what it was really like. As the years go on, you, you forget how bad that really was. And, you know, all I know is I can be pretty ugly when I'm tired. And, um, but I don't know how you mums do it, especially you mums of preschoolers and still do everything else that you do. Um, but what I do know is that we all get tired, don't we? We all get exhausted. We all get run down. We all get uh, stressed out. But you know what I also know? When we're exhausted, God's not. We can get ourselves exhausted, but you know what? God just never gets tired. Have a look with us at Psalm 121 um, because we have a God who works the night shift along with us. Psalm 121. I lift up my eyes to the hills. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. He's saying, you know, why would I look to the hills or why would I look to the mountains for help? I've got the one who made the mountains to help me. He will not let your foot slip. He won't let you stumble or fall, not like even a good mum or dad can do occasionally. He's holding our hand. He who watches over you will not slumber. Indeed, he who watches over Israel or his children will neither slumber, neither get tired nor sleep. The Lord watches over you. The Lord himself. Did you catch that? The Lord himself. He doesn't just assign a guardian angel or a super nanny. He says, that's my job. I will watch over you. He never closes his eyes on the condition of his people or of the the wants of his world. The Lord is your shade at your right hand. He covers you. The sun will not harm you by day, nor the moon by night. The Lord will watch over your coming and going, both now and forevermore. We have an inexhaustible God who works the night shift. You may have heard of a little saying that reads, God could not be everywhere, so he made mothers. You know, we might admit that that sentiment does honour mothers, and it does. But you know what? It's also dangerous because it's a, a myth of motherhood that causes damage when mothers think they are meant to be all things at all times to all of their family, all of their children. You know, but even more importantly, it's theologically wrong, isn't it? Because God can be everywhere. He is everywhere. He is God and he can be all things to all people because he is our inexhaustible God. He works the night shift and he never gets tired. I don't know how those of you who work night shift do it. Um, I wonder how many here of you uh, are actually night shift workers. Do you want to raise your hand? How many people actually work night shift? Only a couple in our midst, hey? Well done. You know, I don't, you are amazing the way in which you do that. I know there are lots of, of nurses um, that I know of who do it and I, I marvel at how they, they do that and run their families. You know... Um, what about those of you who have ever done the, the night shift study for an exam thing, okay? Maybe there's a few more of you who've done the stay up all night and study for an exam. Great. What about those of you who did that regularly? Anyone here? That's the regular pattern. Yep, we've got one right, centre front, down the front here. <laughs> um, you know, I just can't imagine doing the up all night thing, um, it must be just so tough. I remember just a couple of weekends ago having to travel down to Melbourne on my own with the girls and as I was driving back late on the Saturday night, I just had to pull over for one of those 15-minute power naps. That's the first time I've ever had to, felt like I've had to do that. But you know that sensation when the, the eyelids start to droop and the vision starts to get a bit blurry and you're beginning to veer a little from side to side and um, it's scary, isn't it? 
Um, but you know what? God doesn't need sleep. God doesn't get tired. He doesn't need a rest. He doesn't have to take power naps. He doesn't need a coffee first thing in the morning to wake himself up or a double shot to keep himself going as he does the night shift. The psalmist writes, He who watches over you will not sleep. He never tires. He's up all night tirelessly watching over our lives, watching over our kids' lives, protecting us, screening us from the eternal effects of evil, replenishing our souls, refreshing our bodies. He's always faithful. Have a look what Lamentations chapter 3, verses 22 and 3 says. Because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed, for his compassions never fail, they never wear out, for they are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. You know, God never gets tired of being faithful to you. He never wears wears himself out and says, I just can't do this anymore. You can never wear out his faithfulness. When it comes to the morning, he's ready to offer you his compassions again, over and over again. You know, this night shift God, this one who's full of new mercy, you know, he is fiercely devoted to you. I wonder if you've ever forgotten your kids. This might be another confession time for some of you, you know. Have you ever just driven off and left them somewhere? I was just at Cal... Yes, we've got some who've confessed that. I just took uh, Alex along with me to George's calisthenics the other night and Alex had brought some homework along and was working quietly in the corner. I just forgot that I had brought her with me and went to leave without her. I'm probably one of the very few amongst us who have ever done that kind of thing. But, you know, have a look what Isaiah 49 verse 15 says. It talks about God's love taking on the highest form of love, that which is between a mother and her child. And this is what he says, can a mother forget the baby at her breast and have no compassion on the child she has born? He's saying, what are the chances of that? I mean, not, many, not too many parents do go around forgetting their kids, not, not often anyway. Though she may forget, God says, I will not forget you. God is always thinking of you, watching over you, singing over you, sitting next to you, and he never, ever gets tired of it. He's constantly strong. He's inexhaustible. When we're exhausted, God's not. You know what else there is about this God who works the night shift? When it's all dark, God is at work. God is at work all night long. In the midst of our darkness, God is doing something. The darkness will not hurt you. You might um, experience bad things that happen to you, but God says the bigger picture and he is always working in the darkness. Remember those good news, bad news stories, you know, where the details keep changing from triumph to tragedy and then back again and you wonder how it's going to end? Um, You know, the story of Joseph in the Old Testament is a bit like a good news, bad news story. Joseph, he's his dad's favourite and so he gives him a beautiful coat. That's very good for Joseph. But his brothers hate him for it. That's very bad. Joseph has a dream that one day he's going to rule the nations. That's very good. Joseph goes and tells his brothers, I've had a vision from God. One day you're all going to bow down to me. That's very bad. Joseph has another dream that confirms the first one. That's very good. But his brothers say, we'll see about that. They rip off his special coat, cover it with blood, pretend he's dead, throw him into a pit, then sell him into slavery in a distant land. That's very bad. 
He lands a job in Egypt, CBD, working for Potiphar, a wealthy, not too bright boss with a very laissez-faire management style. <laughs> Potiphar likes him, so Joseph is extremely empowered. He's promoted to work in the front office, ends up in charge of everything. He's on the front cover of Business Review Weekly, plus he's strikingly handsome. This is all very good. But Potiphar's wife thinks he's good looking and tries to seduce him. This is very bad. Joseph resists, very good. But the wife is furious. She lies to her husband, falsely accuses Joseph of rape, gets Joseph arrested since Egypt doesn't have good sexual harassment legislation at the time. Joseph is imprisoned, very bad. In prison, Joseph meets Pharaoh's butler, interprets a dream that predicts the butler will get paroled and arranges for the butler to secure Joseph's release. Very, very good. But the butler forgets and Joseph languishes in prison for 13 whole years. Apparently not quite the plan that God had told him when he was 17. Very, very bad. And so we wonder how it, will it all end because um, you know, what matters in any good news, bad news story is the last turn. How, how will it end? And if it ends with bad news, then all of the good that went before, it was just a cruel farce, really, just raising false hopes. But if it ends with good news, then the entire story gets redeemed, doesn't it? All bad news is seen in a good light, a new light. Let's leave it there for the moment. I wonder if anyone else feels like they're in the middle of a 13-year plan, like Joseph. Joseph is sitting there in prison and in the middle of this 13-year-long bad news season of his life. And I think any time along the way there, Joseph could have um, said, okay, well, I guess God was either A, wrong, or B, changed his mind, or maybe C, maybe I did something wrong. And so God bumped me off plan A, or maybe even D, God just doesn't care in the first place. You know what the Bible says about Joseph? Joseph continually submitted himself to God because he knew, as it says over and over again, that the Lord was with him. It says the Lord was with him in Potiphar's house. It says the Lord was with him in that jail. It says the Lord was with him in the pit originally. Joseph knew that the Lord himself watches over you. And here comes the final part of the story. How does it all end? It ends with good news because one day after 13 years, God moves in a 24-hour period to move Joseph from jail cell to ruler of a nation. That is very, very good. And that reminds us, doesn't it, that when all is dark, God is at work. When we're exhausted, when we're emotionally drained because of what's been happening in our lives, when the darkness just seems to be closing in all around us and there doesn't seem to be even a chink of light, God will be up all night orchestrating all of the details of our lives. Even when it looks incredibly dark and black, all night long, God is at work. He is with you. I remember a particular time in my life where things were incredibly dark for me and I was aware of this tendency toward perfectionism that I had and at this time I was also constantly experiencing um, 
a sense of failure to live up to the high expectations that I had of myself and that I, those that I thought that others had of me and particularly in my workplace. And I was, experienced a fear of failure to the point of paralysis. Um, I literally couldn't carry out simple tasks that I had been used to carrying out every day. And um, this transferred into my relationship with God too because I, I was plagued by feelings of not ever feeling that I was good enough. Um, I completely lost any sense of worth or any hope of success, whatever that was. And as a result of my singleness at the time too, I felt like I wasn't uh, good enough for anyone to love either. And I remember one night after this had been going on for uh, some months, waiting for everyone to leave my workplace and I then wandered into my boss's office who had been trying to help me through some of this struggle and uh, I remember leaning up against the door frame and just crying out in despair and saying, I just don't know what to do. And um, I couldn't see any way of moving forward, of pulling myself out of this pit or how God might even pull me out of this pit. And the darkness was so thick. Um, I was filled with an incredible sense of helplessness and hopelessness. Couldn't bear the thought even of living another day, feeling like this. And um, at first there was a little chink of light. I remember God encouraging me through some of his words in the Bible. Those in particular were, "'A bruised reed he will not break.'" And a dimly burning wick he will not extinguish. And then in another passage of the Bible, I I read that God would make the valley of trouble a door of hope. And I began to feel this wasn't going to be a permanent tunnel of blackness without any light. Uh, It wasn't going to be more than I could bear. And these are words that brought incredible light into my world of darkness at the time. And I felt like I was discovering and experiencing Um, the father love of God for the first time. A love which wasn't dependent on my performance and was so much bigger than my failures. Um, And I guess it was so powerful because of the extent to which I'd experienced the darkness. Um, You know what? God is up all night orchestrating all of the details of your lives too. Even when it looks incredibly dark and black. God is at work all night long. He's with you. Look at what it says in Isaiah 55 verse 9. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. God's ways are beyond anything we can imagine. Even when we can't see, even when we can't make sense out of it, God in his infinite wisdom and his incredible compassion is at work in the dark. You know, Christian Riga spent four years in the infamous concentration camp at Dachau, imprisoned there by the Nazis from 1941 until 45. And his crime was for standing up for God against the Nazi regime. And he wrote this, Nietzsche said that a man can undergo torture if he knows the why of his life. But here at Dachau, I've learned something far greater. I've learned to know the who of my life. He was enough to sustain me then and he is enough to sustain me still. You know, God has not and will not abandon you. He is the who in whatever your dungeon experience is right now. He's working for you in the dark. 
And maybe you just need to get honest with God and say, God, help me to see beyond the darkness right now. Help me to see your hand in this. Even as I'm feeling crushed right now, I'm asking you to help me see and trust the fact that you see the bigger picture. And we can pray that kind of prayer because um, the truth is when we are exhausted, God's not. And when it's all dark, God is still at work. And finally, do you know what else about this God who works the night shift? When you just can't be anymore, God is. When you can't be everything to everybody, when you can't be everything to your kids that you want to be, let's face it, you can't make every choice for them. You can't always protect them. You can't be in all places at all times. But God can because God just is. Do you remember how Moses appeared, uh, God appeared to Moses in the burning bush, that bush that... Um, just would not burn up. And God says to him in Exodus chapter 3 from verses 7 to 10, he says, I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I've heard them crying out because of their slave drivers and I'm concerned about their suffering. So I've come down to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians. So now go, I'm sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. You know, I love how Moses dialogues with God here. Listen to what he says in verse 13. Moses protests, and this is how he goes about it. Moses said to God, suppose I go. All right, so he's saying, hypothetically speaking, I'm not agreeing to it quite yet, but suppose I do go, suppose I go to the Israelites and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you, and they ask me, what is his name? Then what shall I tell them? But they won't believe me. They'll ask, which God are you talking about? What will I say? Um, And this is what God says in verse 14. God says to Moses, I am who I am. This is what you are to say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. I am is the God who always is, who always will be. Tell them, I always have been. I always will be. I am the self-existent one. We had to have a creator God didn't. We have to have food to survive. God doesn't. We need electricity for power and heat. God is his own power source. We can get sick and hurt and distracted and swayed and afraid, but God is never in danger. He never wavers. He never gets shaky. He is just the great I am. And we, that's huge. We need this huge perspective of our God, don't we? Louis Giglio says, if God is the great I am, then I am not. He says, when I begin getting to know the great I am, then I really begin to see that I am not. He is big, I am not. He is holy, I am not. He is eternal, I am not. He is perfect, I am not. He is sovereign, I am not. He is strong, I am not. He is wisdom, I am not. You know, the last hundred years have seen an explosion of discovery and, and knowledge, but it's, you know what, it's now estimated that human knowledge is, double, is doubling faster than every two years. But you know what, no matter how much we know, no matter how much there is yet to discover and which we do ultimately discover, we will never ever know as much as God. God knows how all things work. He has complete knowledge of everything, of all the mysteries of science. He doesn't just know biology, physiology, zoology, meteorology. God knows all that there is to know or or is ever yet to be known of all of the ologies. You know, Psalm 147 verse 5, it says, 
Great is our Lord and mighty in power. His understanding has no limit. And now listen to Romans chapter 11 from verses 33 to 35. This is from the message this time. Have you ever come upon anything quite like this extravagant generosity of God, this deep, deep wisdom? It's way over our heads. We'll never figure it out. Is there anyone around who can explain God? Anyone smart enough to tell him what to do? Anyone who has done him such a huge favour that God has to ask his advice? God has never come to any one of us and asked us to give him a hand in sorting out some tricky problem that's been presented to him. He just never does that, does he? You know, what we often don't understand is that the bigger uh, I make myself, the smaller I make God. The smaller I am, though, not not a nobody, but recognising that God is God and I'm not, um, then the bigger God is in my life. And the result is that I have a bigger faith, a bigger peace, a bigger joy, a bigger security because I've got a big God in my life. Remember what John the Baptist said when the great I am Jesus showed up in front of him? He said, he must become greater, I must become less. You know, the purpose of this whole series, Indescribable, has been that we get to know God more and more. We need to know him more, don't we? Uh, This God who is the great I am, this God who revealed himself in Jesus, is indescribable, yet he's knowable because he's revealed himself so that we can understand him, so that all of us can understand him. He's the bread of life. So that bakers can understand him. He's the living water so that plumbers can understand him. He's the cornerstone so that architects can understand him. He's the son of righteousness so that astronomers can understand him. He's the hidden treasure so that bankers can understand him. He's the life so that biologists can understand him. He's the door so that carpenters can understand him. He's the great physician so that doctors and nurses can understand him. He's the good teacher so that educators can understand him. He's the lily of the valley so that florists can understand him. He's the rock of ages so that geologists can understand him. He's the true vine so that horticulturalists can understand him. He's the righteous one so that judges can understand him. He's the Where am I up to? (laughs) Pearl of great price so that jewellers can understand him. He's the true wisdom so that philosophers can understand him. He's the word so that actors can understand him. He's the good shepherd so that farmers can understand him. He's the alpha and the omega so scientists can understand him. He's the truth so that politicians can understand him. He is the one. He just is. He's the great I am. And he's the God who makes a way. He's the God who leaves you speechless. He's the God who sits next to you and he's the God who works a night shift. You might be wondering about some things. You might have some questions. You might wonder, is there really any truth out there? God says, I am. If my husband really does walk out on us, who is going to take care of us? God says, I am. What if the chemotherapy isn't successful? I am. Who is smart enough to work out this crazy life of mine? I am. I haven't got any friends at school. I am. I desperately need a fresh sense of purpose in my life. I am. Is there anyone out there who's really real? I am. Nobody's listening. 
I am. Who's going to stay with me now in this big empty house? I am. Oh boy, I feel like I'm going under. Who will help me? I am. My family deserves so much more than this. I am. This world is such a mess. Who will ever fix it? I am. Is there anyone out there on my side? I am. I don't know what your particular question is this morning, but I do know that God says to you, I am. I always have been. I always will be. I'm the God who works the night shift. Let's pray together. Lord, we just want to honour you this morning because of your faithfulness to us. Thank you for being the one who works the night shift on our behalf. Thank you that when we are exhausted, you're not. Thank you that when we're experiencing darkness, you are still at work. And thank you that, that uh, when we just can't be anymore, that you are that you just are, you are the great I am, and you are the all-sufficient, self-existent one. And Lord, we just want to say that we love you and thank you. Lord, thank you for all of our precious mums here today too. Thank you for those who tirelessly serve and love and show compassion and offer forgiveness. Lord, we just recognise them and all that they are and all that they do and ask that you would encourage them particularly today. We honour you in Jesus' name. Amen.